0: getting ready to start a new series and uh, let me let me read our scripture our key scripture that we're going to jump off for the next few weeks and it's out of Luke and it's the rich man and Lazarus if you have your bibles it's Luke 16 or you can look on the screen and it says this there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen who feasted sumptuously every day and at the gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came to lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in the flame." But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us, you had great, a great chasm between, been, been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none of my may cross from there to us. And he said... Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that they may warn them, lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning, for your word. God, I thank you for who you are. Your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your justice, your righteousness. God, I pray that that we just put everything aside this morning, that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. God, I pray that everything that is spoken would come from you, Holy Spirit. God bless you. And Lord, that you would... Speak to us this morning, oh God! We we want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. We're uh, kicking off this series and entitled it "How Beautiful Are the Feet," and it, we're leading us into Easter and and leading us into this time of Christ's uh, resurrection and 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 crucifixion and and the, this scripture has gr- uh, just grabs me and it's it's one of the scriptures that we've talked about regularly and it's this out of Romans 10:15 and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news how beautiful are the feet that come to us and give us the gospel the good news of Christ death burial and resurrection and over this next season i want to talk about a few things i want to talk about hell because nothing says happy fun more than let's preach on hell now if you're a guest here today a visitor i can count on one finger the amount of times i've preached on hell i can count to one you guys i guys, some of you didn't think so but here, it, it, I just there's this conviction around how do how do preachers how do we not talk about hell? We talk about grace in heaven. How do we not talk about the balance of hell? And uh, it is with in uh, a, a great amount of of weight and and really, um, it's been a difficult couple of days reading and and kind of wrestling and. Even this morning and uh, getting into it with my wife because I'm so in, you know, I, I don't want to mishandle God's word. Now, having said that, having said that, um, whatever scripture that I read and, and whatever I communicate to you, the Holy Spirit should confirm that it's true, not just because I said it. Having said that, there, there are things that, that, um, that we say as preachers or don't say as preachers, that we leave out or, or you know, not add to the Bible, but, but it's, it's holy ground. And I'm just trying to handle this word and God's word with the fear of God in my heart, because James says this, not many of you ought to be preachers because there's a greater standard of judgment. I don't want a greater state. I don't want a greater judgment on me. There's, there's a bit of the fear of God as I speak on this. You think about this. If hell is real, how do we not talk about this? If it is real, how do preachers not address this? And I haven't. So I want to take a couple weeks to kind of unpack that. Let me also say this. There is no way in heaven, or not in heaven, but on earth, that you could, could fully unpack this theology in two weeks. You just can't. So when, when, when I, as I speak, just, just know that we're just kind of touching the surface on some things. Okay. Um, I want to talk. We're going to talk about Zacchaeus, the tax collector, Jesus and lost things, women who uh, washes Jesus' feet with her hair, and Palm Sunday, the Good Samaritan, and Easter. Obviously, um, looking towards that. How beautiful the feet. How beautiful the feet. Uh, The reason this is so important, this scripture, and the reason I chose this time to speak on hell is this. How beautiful are the feet that brought me the truth. The first time that it ever happened to me was I was a probably four or five-year-old child, and that woman, where is that woman sitting right here? How beautiful are the feet that brought me the truth of who Jesus is. As a little kid, now, I had some rough times in between there, you know, there's some spankings, and I left home at six, 17, 16, and, and and I was a little squirrely. And, but I, I always look back to this truth of the beautiful feet that God gave me through a mother that brought me the truth of Jesus because it brought me back to who I was. But then God used another man in my life. How beautiful are the feet, and this man... Uh, met me when i was in in playing in boston and my life was less than jesus i tried to be a christian and talked about being a christian wanted to be a christian and but there was this this struggle that was going on inside of me not understanding lordship and who jesus really was how beautiful the feet jesus brought a man into my life and 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 in the 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 way that only an evangelist could he looked at me and said look I think I've told this story, but he looked at me and he said, and I think he knew who I'm talking about, Evette. we have a good friend back here, and Claire. Um, he looked at me and said this, hey, you want to live your life that you're living? Go ahead and live it. But stop telling people you're a Christian because you're giving us a bad name. How beautiful are the feet that tells you the truth, that run and, and speak truth in your life, and it, it changed me. Well, first, I was like, you, fill in the blank, because I'm a hockey player. I'm, in, I'm playing in the NHL. Who are you to tell me who, you, how this thing works? I've got the verse on the back of my helmet that says I'm a Christian. <laughs> Come on. How beautiful the feet of a man or woman who tells you the truth of who Jesus is. J.I. I. Packard says this. This is the one truth that allows me to accept the justice of hell is the indisputable, okay? Think about this this is uh, certitude of the goodness of God. Just sit there for a second. The truth that allows me to accept the justice of hell, because we live in a culture that doesn't necessarily accept hell, that doesn't think hell maybe isn't real. Why, look, I, I got some statistics here. When people are asked what doctrine is the most difficult, the one they struggle with the most, it's this one, the doctrine of hell. And we looked at, at the statistics, Pew Research, today 73% of Americans believe in heaven, while 62% believe in hell. There's a disconnect right there. We're all right with the heaven. I like the heaven part. I don't like thinking about the hell part. But the fullness of this gospel, the fullness of this word is what God has called us to from Genesis to Revelation. Not just the scripture that says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ Jesus. But it's contextually not true to just pick that verse out and live your life. You take the whole of the word, the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God, And we don't talk about hell. I mean, it's not real good at parties. It's not the line you start off when you're trying to get a date. It's not where, you know, it's not the one that that you you open with. But I would think if Jesus, which talked as much about hell as he did heaven, that it would be important that, that we talk about it. The doctrine in hell is uncomfortable for most of us. However, our understanding of hell shapes our view of the gospel, God's holiness and our depravity. If we don't accept the reality of hell, we won't rightly understand the beauty of the gospel. If we don't understand the gospel and we don't understand hell, we can't, we can't reconcile these two. To understand hell, and, and this is an intro this week, really, to have a thorough understanding of this place called hell, you have to understand two things, God's holiness and man's depravity. This is the foundation of understanding hell. Otherwise, you have nowhere to put hell. If you don't understand God's holiness, if you don't understand the depravity of man, there's no foundation to which to look and say, there is a place, a literal physical place called hell. So let's look at this. God's holiness is both attractive and it is dangerous. The holiness of God is attractive and dangerous. The holiness of God refer, refers to this absolute moral purity of God, absolutely pure and holy. There's no gaps. We talk about the gap theory all the time i talk about it in our life there are gaps in our life between what we say and what we do and what we talk about here is this we're always working on closing the gaps closing the gaps closing the gaps of truth closing the gaps of love closing the gaps in our life here's the thing with god there is no gap when talking about his holiness there's no there's no wiggle room he is holy period there's gaps in who we are not in god It's an attribute of who he is. The holiness of God refuses absolute moral purity of God. When when we sang the song, holy, 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 it's this, in my mind, God is holy, and there are no gaps. And the absolute moral distance between God and the created, me and you, there's a big gap. There's a big gap. What, What does that look like? Infinity. That's what it looks like. A holy, perfect God and fallen, fallible, finite man, you and me, there's this infinite gap between us. God, a being that possesses all possible perfection so that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, immutable, perfectly good, necessarily existent. Among, these are just among a few of his qualities. Man, the Lord God, formed man from the dust of the earth, he blew into his nostrils and breathed life, and man became a living being. Created, fallen, fallible. There's this, this huge chasm between perfect God and sinful man that can't be reconciled. God's holiness is enduring thematic core of our scriptures god's holiness holy holy holy, holy 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 is the Lord God almighty isaiah six three and they were calling to one another holy holy, holy is the Lord God who is Uh, The whole earth is full of his glory. Revelation 4.8 And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around within. And day and night they never cease saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God who was and is and is to come. The holiness of God. Church, if if we can grasp the holiness of God, if we can understand who He is and His holiness, if we look in the mirror and really understand who we are apart from God and understand the depravity of man and who I am when I step away from God, if we can just grasp a hold of this, the humility of walking in this place of worship of God and saying, holy, 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 will change your life. You'll never be the same. The problem is, I have an easy time jumping back to the way I was. I can't stay in this. This This is why we're talking about 40 days of prayer, fasting, worship. And word is that each day I engage God. Look, we, we talk about the natural and the spiritual run parallel to one another. You guys sick of hearing that? Natural and spiritual run parallel to one another. Look, when I'm disengaged from her, I might as well be a mile away from her. When I don't text her, when I don't call her, when I'm not intimate with her, when I'm not Cooking with her, when I'm not going on dates with her, all those things that, that I, I try to do because of my love for her, when I don't do those things, if I don't do those things, there's this distance that takes place. Why do you think it doesn't happen with your relationship with God? Why do we think as Christians we can just have this, this commitment that we run down to the front? I'm, I'm with you, Jesus, but I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to engage. And then we wonder why things aren't going the way God has called them to. See, it's this place, natural and the spiritual, my natural relationship with it when I look at her and I tell her how beautiful she is, when I look at her and I, and I tell her how much I appreciate her, and I'm not great at it, but I should be better at it, and I tell her how much I appreciate her and what a good mother she is or whatever the different attributes of what, what it does, it, it creates intimacy. And when I look at this word and I talk to God and I, I cry out, holy, 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 it creates intimacy. When I talk about his attributes and his faithfulness and his goodness, it creates intimacy because he is holy. Why is it dangerous? How how is that? God's holiness is attractive, yet it's dangerous. Divine justice, divine justice is one outworking of divine holiness. See, the the connectedness of justice and holiness, in order for God to be uh, holy, there has to be justice marks the ethical consequences of actions. In other words, there are, there are things that I do that you do that have consequences to them. Psalm 89 says this, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. See, we like to think that there are no consequences for our action, but that we don't li- we we like to think that way when talking about God. But the reality is this, in everyday life, natural and spiritual, in the natural world, you know very well there are consequences for your action. You can't just go out this door and start banging cars. Literally, someone did that this week. We get a call from our neighbors. There's a guy, I don't know what we got to call him. He's just driving down the street banging into cars, just driving down the street, hit McKenna's and, and I don't know how many other cars. There's consequences for that. You don't just get to do that. You understand there are consequences. If you come in here and, and I, you allow me to set that chair up, the consequences very well may be that you'll fall on your butt because I'm not very handy. There are consequences for, for our actions. See, actions have the Standards of justice determine how consequences should be Fitted ethically to our prior actions. Second Chronicles 19:7. Now then, the Lord, now then let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be careful what you do, for there's no injustice with the Lord our God, or partiality, or taking of bribes. Matthew 25 says this: Each one of us will stand before God and give an account for our lives. Each one of us will stand and we'll give account for what we did. Or didn't do with what we had. How many talents that we have. What did we do with it? See the reality is this. Whether you like it or not. God is perfectly just. God is perfectly just. There are no gaps. He just is just. Just as he is holy. The same thing with his justice. Something that we would love to see. Something that, that's you know being cried out for in this, this nation over the last two years is what? We need justice. Bring justice for different people groups. Bring justice for the unjust. Bring justice. And here's the deal. God is perfectly just. So why is God's holiness dangerous? Because it crosses your sin. God's justice crosses your lifestyle and mine. Why is it dangerous? Because that two-headed coin of the fear of the Lord, one is an awe of who God is and his greatness. The other side of the coin is this, that at any point he has every right to just wipe me right out. We don't like that side of the coin. But, but the reality is this, that God's holiness is dangerous because I like my sin. And God loves me too much to leave me in my sin. See, man's depravity looks like this. We see in Genesis 3. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight for the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it some to her husband who was with her and he ate. The fall, that moment, fall. Man falls. Woman falls. Depravity steps in. The depravity of man is, is essentially that, that born in, there's, there's sin nature. Now we go, oh, how can a baby sin? Look, I've had five kids <laughs> and a grandbaby. I I can assure you, depravity of man, selfish little. Not that one back there, of course. Sorry. The, it, it innately in humans, depravity. See, God's holiness and man's depravity, the Bible teaches as a result of the fall of sin. And here's what we don't like. Every part of man, his mind, will, emotions, and flesh have been corrupted by sin. In other words, sin affects every area of our being, including who we are and what we do. Sin affects every part of us. Sin affects every aspect of our emotion, who we are. We don't want to believe this. The Bible says this, though, in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately seek who can understand it. Romans 3, no one is righteous, not even one. Not a single one is righteous. No one understands. No one seeks God. The Bible very clearly levels the playing field with humanity and says, look, there is no one good. That's hard to grab a hold of. And it's the number one answer that people give when they say, hey, how are you going to, why are you going to heaven? So I'm a good person. You ever heard that? It, it is... We innately, now let me clarify. We can do good things. I've seen some horrible people do good things. You can't. I'm a good person. What's the standard line? Do you remember? Relative to who? You're a good person relative to Jeffrey Dahmer? You're a hell of a person. Relative to Mother Teresa? You guys don't qualify. There's a standard, and the standard is Jesus, his holiness, his perfection without sin, without blemish. I'm a good person. And here's the problem. Culturally, what the world says to you and me is you're a good person. You're a good guy. You're a good girl. And we start getting this in our head. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. But the reality is when I step away from the reality of the truth of looking in that mirror that says this, I deserve hell, but God gives me life. When I step away from that place of of thinking I deserve whatever, and and I step away from the reality is this. When I dig deep into my soul apart from Jesus, I don't see a lot of good things. I can do good things and I've been good. But if you're honest and and, and you, you just peel it back, not so much. If God is God, then, and I, I the standard is perfection. And, and I, I say this, if God is God, I believe God is God. If God is God, because he, here's the thing. This God of the Bible is a lot different than the God that many people worship, that many people talk about. Because if God is truly God, the God that he says he is in this word, If he is just, if he is righteous, if he is good, if he is kind, if he is gracious, if he is all these things that it says of him, then how does he send someone to hell? There's a standard of perfection. Holy cannot be in the presence of unholy. Dark and lightness cannot coexist. Coexist. God is holy, I'm fallible. God is just, I have sinned. In order for God to be just, he has to deal with my sin. Look, the reality is this. In order for God to cross the board to be just, he's going to have to do something with your sin and my sin. He can't just kind of turn the blind's eye to it. He can't just go, oh, that one's all right. You know, it, he can't do that. He has to deal with it because he is holy and perfect. How's the happy message? Everybody good? Excellent. How does God justly deal with my sin? Hebrews says this, is appointed for every man to die and then stand judgment. Look, each one of us has a ticket that will be punched whether you like it or not. I'm going to another funeral today. Good friend from high school. Had a heart attack. 57. It's a funeral yesterday. A great friend of our church, Mark Hitman. Everyone has a ticket that will be punched at some point, which means this is true. it is appointed for every man to die once, and after, here comes judgment. How does God justly deal with your sin and mine? He brings judgment and makes a judgment because God is holy, and it's who he is. Do you ever hear people say, I can't believe in a God who would let, let's think of something, who would let kids be molested. How's that? That can't get much worse. I can't believe in a God who would allow that. Here's what I would say to you. This is true. No one's getting away with anything. He may slip or she may slip through the cracks here in this time. This time is a small window. It's 60, it's 30, it's 50 years. They may slip through the crack now, but the Bible clearly says each one will die and stand before God, and the holy, righteous God will bring judgment. But you can't have the judgment come on that guy or girl, whoever that is, and not think that your life can't be dealt with in the same way. Different sin. That God wouldn't justly look at your life and ask for an account. He's appointed that each of us die, and then we stand before God. How does He deal with it? He judges it. He says, "Righteous sin, righteous sin, righteous sin." Why? Because He's just. You you remember the picture. It's infinite... Between us and a just God. Look at Deuteronomy 32.4. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. The foundation. It's this balance. It's this, this balance of, 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 of righteousness and justice that God holds in his hands for each of our lives, Along with holiness. Along with grace. And along with mercy. All these things. God balances them perfectly because it's not what he does. It's who he is. Justice is who he is. Mercy is who he is, grace is who he is. Love is who he is, not what he does, so there's no gaps. Therefore you know he can be just. See our, our hypocrisy is is just blue it's glaring, booming. The hypocrisy that we walk in is just it's crazy. and it's this, it's this that we constantly cry out for justice that over the last two years there's this group and that group and this christian and that group. justice crying out for justice yet the disconnect is this disconnect from the fact that god says i am just and i'll bring justice well i, I don't want that justice god i don't want you to touch my sin Go touch all of theirs. And we sit in these self-righteous towers and we talk about movements and we talk about people groups and we talk about things that are going on from Fox News to MSNBC and all this crap. And it's hypocrisy because we're not willing to stand, and I'm generalizing, and allow God to deal with our inconsistencies and, and allow Him to deal justly with us. God is a good God. See, when you talk about his attributes, and you talk about him being just, what I have to grab a hold of is this. It also talks about him being good. Not what he does, who he is. That he is loving. Not what he does, who he is. And when I realize who I am, fallen, fallible, finite man, That deserves hell. Apart from Jesus, I have Jesus, so I don't receive hell. Apart from Jesus, I deserve hell. But God's grace changes me. I'm a different person. C.S. Lewis said this on hell. It's God giving men what they want. His, his, and, and I always thought that. I have just been reading and, and kind of wrestling through this. What, what is hell, you know? And it's always been, it's the absence of God. True, it is true. The attributes of God. But, but that's not the whole truth in that. It's not, it's not everything. It's not all-encompassing when we look at it from a theological standpoint. John Piper says this on hell. What sinners want is not hell but sin. Let, let's stop right there. He hits it right on the nose. I don't know when he said, you know, I, I've got these hockey players I play with. Ah, I want to go to hell and party with all my buddies. Bad theology. They don't care. But I, I don't know of anyone, if you laid out what hell, next week we're going to get into a little more the detail of what the Bible says, and what that looks like. But if you laid out what hell is, I don't know anybody goes, I want to go there. I don't know anybody that's running and jumping to get into that place. But what Piper says makes true. What sinners want is not hell, but they want their sin. Look, 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 I don't want that hell part of it, but I don't want to give up my little pet sins. I don't want to give up my sex life. I don't want to give up my drug life, my alcohol life, my lying life, my cheating life, my whatever-it-is life. I don't want to give up, God forbid, I give up my cussing life. I'm working on it. I don't want to give up those lives. I don't want to give up that sin. See, the hell is, is an inevitable consequence of unforgiven sin. Does not make the consequences desirable. It's not what people want. Certainly not what they most want. It's it's what's the analogy I heard? It's it's like I don't love cho- I, You know, I don't love chocolate and and want to be like four hundred pounds. Does that make sense? I don't love my sin and then want to go to hell. They're not, it makes, it's absurd. to think I love my chocolate and I want to be 500 pounds. It makes no sense. No one's sitting there and I want to go to hell. But they love their sin. We love our sin. And God is just. And God is holy. And he says, I, I can't have that. Beneath this emphasis on hell being what people want is the notion that God does not send people to hell. And, and, and biblically, I, I don't see it. It's not true. It sounds good. And, 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 and when, when we don't have this, this full understanding of who God is, we're trying to get that. That's what I'm talking about. God is just and cannot be in the presence of unjust, of sin, of sin. How would God send anybody to hell? God does pass sentences. We just saw that in James. And he executes it justly. This is blew me away. What's worse than that? Worse than that have you ever read the scripture? How many times have you read the scripture and you go, whoa. And I didn't until this. Worse, the Bible says God does not just send them. He throws them. Look, at, I'm not, I didn't write this. Don't get mad at me today. Well, you can get mad at me, but Revelation 20, 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I, I, I mean, the, the imagery that I see is this, that, that I'm not going to jump in there, so go, just, there you go. It, this isn't pleasant, nor should it be Pleasant. This is the part where you go, the fear of the Lord just hits me as I'm praying, as I'm reading, I'm I'm kind of wrestling through this. The fear of God that I don't have total understanding, obviously, you don't have total understanding, but I have the Word of God and the Spirit of God. They do not choose it, Piper says. And they will not want it. They have chosen sin. They want sin. They didn't want the punishment. When they come to the shore of the fiery lake, he says they must be thrown in. That, that's just beyond my rank. There's just a, a weight with that. How do I not preach differently? How, how do I not love my neighbor how do I walk past that guy or that girl every single day and not smile? How do I not love that person? How am I so self-absorbed that I know truth of God's word? If God is God, I'm look, if God is God, I got my money on God. You guys can put your money elsewhere. Good luck. I got my money on God. If God is God, the truth of his word, there is a heaven and there is a hell. It is real. Jesus confirms the reality of hell. Then how the hell can we walk by people and not preach the gospel? How how can I not be the hands and feet of Jesus to bring hope? I, I, and I know so many of you do, and I, I just love it. And I, I just, I, I, Gina in your classroom, I just love the way you love those kids. And you slip in a scripture, you're not supposed to, but you slip in a little something here and here, and it's the hands of feet, and Jesus just bringing a little bit of hope. How do I not? God justly judges our sins. I, I, my kids hated it when I dealt with their disobedience. But as daddy, I could not allow chaos and unruliness and, and, and all the, the crazy that kids will bring. I couldn't allow it in my home. Not because I'm a complete jerk, but because there needs to be justice. Because justice brings peace. And when you have justice, you have peace because you know that there's control. That, there's, that, that no one gets away with anything. And a loving father disciplines his children so that his children dis- disciplines them properly. Sometimes I don't discipline properly, but sometimes it's anger. That's the difference between me and God. God is perfect in his just punishment and dealing. I am not so much, but nonetheless, I am called to bring justice and to bring order to my home. In the same way, the natural and the spiritual run parallel. God has called me to do that as a man, the, the, uh, the head of the house. In the same way, God does the same thing in the universe. Brings justice. Now we've come full circle. We've come full circle. The full circle is this. It just laid a foundation about hell. God's holiness and man's depravity. You have to understand that this God that we serve, this God that I love, this Jesus that I fell in love with that saved me, this, this, this Bible and this scripture, that I, I have to understand that holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And because of my sin, I deserve hell. Hell. But it doesn't stop there because the beautiful feet that came and spoke truth to me. One sitting in this room, one not sitting in this room. I could go story after story of you people in this church and friends and family. Oh, How beautiful are the feet that brought the truth of God's justice and mercy and grace so that I might have everlasting life. Romans ten fifteen. How beautiful are the feet. For someone in here today, maybe the feet haven't come, or maybe you just didn't listen to them. I do not have beautiful feet, but I have God's word. And the truth of God's word. What's the good news? The gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus so that I don't have to be separated from God. That the moment that I come into this relationship, Romans 10, 9, confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe that God raised him from the dead. The moment that I come into this intimate relationship with the Creator of heaven and earth, that there's no, there's no more fear of, of hell. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him shall have everlasting life. Eternal life. And at that moment that those beautiful feet brought the news of Jesus and the gospel to me, my life was changed forever. And so it is with so many of you. See, but it, it doesn't stop there. How beautiful are the feet that bring the good news of the gospel. God's calling us as a church to bring the gospel. Of hope. Revelation 21.4 says this, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. How beautiful are the feet that bring the hope of the gospel. Because the former things have passed away. How beautiful are the feet that bring the hope of the gospel. That God wipes away every tear. How beautiful are the feet that bring the hope Of everlasting life. Hell is a reality. Jesus talks clearly about it. Next week we're going to dive into a little bit to what what he says. But the reality is, I think God, personally, as a as a hell-deserving sinner, let's just be real, apart from Jesus. I'm not apart from Jesus, but apart from Jesus, a hell-deserving sinner. For Jesus Christ, my Savior, declaration, I'm declaring, Jesus Christ, my Savior, delivered me from the wrath of hell and gave me life. And he will do the same for anyone who turns from their sin and treasures him and invites Christ to be Lord of their life. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. How beautiful are the feet. How they preach. Who will preach? And how will they preach unless they're sent? But here's what I'm asking us as a church. If you have a relationship with Jesus, I'm asking you to go. I'm asking you to go. Go be the hands and feet of Jesus. Church is going to happen when you walk out these doors today. You're not going to remember half the things I said. Church is going to happen when we walk out these doors and you encounter that person, and the Holy Spirit says, Bring hope. When you walk out these doors and, and you encounter that neighbor that you've never seen, although you've lived next to him and seen him every day, and the Holy Spirit says, Bring hope. How beautiful are the feet! god's people who bring the hope of christ jesus to those who have none we don't need the world's justice we need jesus's justice we need Jesus' justice god's justice because it is perfect it is perfect join me as we pray